the party wasn't good, but I found Josh there. He also was sitting there not having a fun time. And I was like, oh, I can see that guy. He doesn't have much fun here. So maybe you have something in common. So I just approached him and started talking. And the first thing he said, uh, I, I was just like, what are you doing? Like, He's just like, I'm a musician and I, I have a like, recording studio. I'm just like, no way. And that's it. I never let him go since that day. I just like grabbed Welcome to Offkey, a member on Labs podcast about music professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. Join me, an industry novice, in conversations with members of Canada's music industry to learn more about their roles and how they first got started in the music business. Hello, we have reached the second season finale of Off Key, and while it's bittersweet to see this season come to an end, as it also means the end of my time here at Membran, I'm really excited to announce that I'll be passing the project off to my best friend, the ever-talented Talia Seidman-Wright. Make sure you subscribe to Off Key on your favorite listening platform, as I'll be back for a quick bonus episode next week where Talia and I will be chatting about her plans for season three. For the season finale, I was lucky enough to chat with Josh Palmer and Elia Zampieri of the band The Sunset Kids. We talked about how the two were introduced to music, to each other, and the importance of creating a full audiovisual experience to accompany their dream pop sound. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Well, mine, mine isn't as uh, as crazy to Canadian listeners as, as Elias, but I grew up in the Paris of the Prairies, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, and in, in Saskatoon, if you, because there's six months of winter, basically, if you're not good at winter sports, you got to find something good to be good at. And so I concentrated on playing guitar and singing at a very young age. Uh, eight. I've been on stage since I was eight years old, uh, playing playing in bars with my my father's uh, my father's bands and and uh, yeah, I just uh, just excelled at that. That's amazing. So no hockey and stuff for you. Yeah, no hockey for me. I tried that when I was a little boy, and even though I'm naturally good at sports, it just didn't. It just wasn't my sport. Fair enough. So I, and instead of doing that, I, my dad gave me a choice of continuing on. Actually, I was going to be doing, it wasn't hockey. He gave me a choice of uh, doing basketball or guitar. And I said guitar. And I never looked back. <laughs> even though I, even though I played great. basketball later too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing to like know how to do a sport. Yeah. No, I, I find it's, it's uh, really important for team building and uh, physical exercises just Really important in general so but need a creative outlet as well yeah it sounds like you chose right as well obviously <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you <laughs> well uh my um, story is much more different than mine yeah it's kind of interesting i guess to people uh here especially i find people like oh my god what you're from siberia isn't like cold there and bears walking on the street and just like mm, not really <laughs> Yes, I'm born in Siberia, in, uh, in South Siberia, which is like um, 
couple of hours with Bore uh, to Mongolia. And I'm quarter Mongolian too, which you would never guess because I have a blonde hair and blue eyes, but you know, it's true. True story. Uh, yeah, I'm Russian and I live there most of my life. Uh, and then I moved to Canada to do my degree and uh, I met Josh and we started playing music. I mean, I played music before, uh, but yeah, professionally I started doing it with Josh in terms of like performing and uh, recording and composing. Yeah, but you've been studying piano since you were young. I did, yeah. I did. What year? So, you're 13? No, actually, I mean, my parents gave um, me also the choice between ballet, because I'm in Russia, right? And piano, and I picked piano, and I did uh, study since I was five uh, classical piano in a uh, strict classical Russian music school where teachers literally hit you with a ruler if you play something wrong. Oh my God. Uh, and if you slouch, and uh, you have to do it everything perfectly. Uh, but I loved it. It gave me a big uh, base of uh, knowledge and, I don't know, love for classical music, which I think is pretty important. And I developed a huge passion towards collecting uh, soundtracks and film scores. And, yeah. What did you move to Canada to study? I actually was studying linguistics. Uh, my, I did my master's degree in linguistics. Uh, which is not that exciting, but it was the only program that I could do uh, that would pay for my degree at the time. And I was just like, I'll take it. I'll go. I'll try it. Um, I think linguistics yeah. is really cool. I mean, it is cool, but, um, you know, maybe not for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, I, I just remember I was finding some difficulties with some, you know, with syntax morphology, some very complex classes about how like words appear and stuff like that. I don't know, like, I don't know about that. Not really artsy, I don't know. Uh, yeah, didn't actually uh, graduate the program, spent there two years <laughs> and decided to play music. Yeah, she met me and we started a band and set it up. <laughs> so how did you guys meet and then form your band? Yeah, just through mutual friends. Accidentally. Accidentally at, at a restaurant. Pure fate. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I actually, I told it in multiple interviews by now, but I can't, I'm probably never going to be tired of telling this story because I think it was such a, you know, sign from a universe. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, I wrote a song um, and I really was thinking that I need to record it, but I don't know where, I don't know any single musician in Saskatoon, I don't know any studios, like, I mean, I, I, I only have a song, that's it, like, lyrics, music, and I would love to record it, and it was just a thought in my head, and in two weeks, there was some sort of a, like, kind of strange acquaintances party that they keep just texting me and say, hey, you should come, you should come, I said, nah, maybe not, she said, no, no, you should come, and she's like, okay, fine, maybe I'll go, and I uh, decided to go, and, uh, the party wasn't good, but I found Josh there. He also was sitting there not having a fun time. And I was like, oh, I can see that guy. He doesn't have much fun here. So maybe you have something in common. So I just approached him and started talking. And the first thing he said, uh, I, I was just like, what are you doing? Like, He's just like, I'm a musician and I, I, I have a recording studio. I'm just like, no way. And that's it. I never let him go since that day. I just like grabbed him and just like, oh, that's it. We got we to gotta record my new song. We got to play. Let's try it. 
that was hilarious. That's such a great yeah. story. And it's so funny how those, they, those things happen sometimes. <laughs> right? Yeah. You think about something and then you just, here you go. Especially too, if your friend is like constantly trying to get you to come to this thing, this bad thing. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just meant to be. So I guess never say no, right? You never know what you're going to find. True. <laughs> the song that you were um, hope, like hoping to record, was that like a classical piece or was the music you're making at this time similar to what you had been studying? No, it actually was a song, like a pop song, uh, pop folk, I would say. Uh, and uh, we gonna release that song but not on the upcoming album uh we still have it we still love it we're still working on it because right now we just kind of want to upgrade it and just polish it so our first project ever but yeah one day people will hear it for sure and then i will tell them a story that was the first song <laughs> so alaya then you went to the studio to record and was it kind of just like a light bulb moment for both of you guys of like Oh yeah, big time. It's just like she sat down at the piano and played some crazy classical thing, and my jaw dropped. I'm like, I was wow. just jamming actually. It wasn't even a classical jamming, thing, and then you start jamming alone. And I don't know. I actually didn't expect that outcome. I didn't know what I was expecting to. No, but knew that just... there was some musical chemistry, and uh, I think we kind of created. I came up with like a little jam that we recorded that night yeah, and then we decided okay let's record your tune and we never looked back oh that's awesome stories like that are so nice mm -hmm. <laughs> they're like the best meet cutes you know <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny like back in the day there it just reminds me of how bands meet but there's literally some bands that answered uh, the wanted ads you know and that's how they came together a band looking for a guitar player or a band looking for a singer and that's how some of like the most famous bands came together too. So it's like you never you never know who you're gonna meet. It's been awesome too talking to so many, not just like groups, but um like even like management teams and things like that, and just how like dynamics change so much. Mm -hmm. Like if you throw another person into the mix or you take somebody out and like it is such and like the same goes for, you know, like societies and groups of friends or workplaces, but culture shifts so much with like people sure. coming in and out. Um and it's so special when you like get the perfect cocktail i guess mm -hmm. absolutely so what before you guys were before you guys met and then started working together as a band as the sunset kids what were you kind of doing independently like were you working in music or i had a band in russia uh i was playing i started composing music since 13 it was mainly was classical pieces and just kind of like film score style music and then i started writing songs and uh I found a band, and they're actually very successful in Russia right now. Uh, very talented musicians, and we play uh, something more like alternative rock, uh, which made me realize I'm not uh, a lead singer of Cranberries, unfortunately, and I cannot be in the rock band. <laughs> but uh, it was a very cool experience. Yeah, so yeah, I, I had experience performing before and having a, having a music band. What was the band called? If there's, are they they're still around? Uh, yeah, they're still around. Yeah, the name is The Just, and uh, I'm sure you can Google it. And uh, yeah, they have a whole bunch of very cool songs. You want to people check it out? <laughs> um, and what, what about you, Josh? Uh, yeah, I kind of did a bit of everything, to be quite honest. I, uh, my father was a, uh, oh, he's still alive, so he's, but he used to be a sound engineer, and uh, and he's still he's retired, so he's a musician, but a lifelong musician. So he got me 
into doing sound engineering for bands when I was 11 and 12, <laughs> learning the ropes and oh yeah. And so that was, that's always been my, my other life to music is uh, sound engineering for concerts and events and recording bands and producing bands and, and, uh, and then also fronting bands and, and uh, I've released a, a bunch of different albums uh, with some of my past bands. Uh, they were very, um, uh, very alternative rock. The, uh, the last one that I was fronting was called the The Rebellion, and uh, and there's a few albums out there on on the old interweb that you can look up for that. And uh, yeah, I still still sound engineer and still do a bunch of stuff. I actually, just did uh, uh, did sound for the, the band USS. Um, Ubiquitous uh, Synergy Seekers uh, out of Toronto there. They got a cool song called Work Shoes. And it was just a lovely time doing sound for them. So I find that both is, uh, I feel, are very creative. Like when you're sound engineering, you are taking uh, frequencies and you are mixing them in a pleasing way and creating uh, uh, an emotional event and sonic emotional event for the audience. And, and uh, so I'm really blessed and very thankful to be in both sides of the industry, behind the scenes and on the stage. So it sounds then like you knew from a pretty young age, obviously, if you're doing that at 11 or 12, um, like that you wanted to pursue music professionally to some degree. Yeah, the, I, you know, when I was eight, so seven years old, I uh, saw Stevie Ray Vaughan on the uh, PBS program, Austin City Limits. And I decided right then and there that I wanted to, to be in the industry and play guitar and, and, uh, and create a positive experience with people. And so I knew at a, at a young age what I wanted to do, and I just focused, uh, focused my mind as, as the classic line from Back to the Future, the Doc, Doc Emmett Brown goes, if you, <laughs> if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything, right? So that, uh, that resonated with me since I was a child. So. No, I feel you because, you know, I always want to be a singer, like a musician and stuff like that. And my parents were so against it. I'm from a medical family. Everybody wanted me Everybody's to doctors. But Yeah, everybody wanted to see me as a doctor, which is an amazing and noble profession. Uh, it just... I'm way too stubborn, you know. Mm -hmm. Mama was always expecting that music that I hear in my head will sometime go away. Well, it didn't, so I keep writing it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely tough. I know, like, my mom, now that I'm done my undergrad, is always just like, yeah, so, like, law school. What about that? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> five oh, minutes. Yeah. yeah, five minutes of my own time. Five minutes, right now. Thanks, 500 years later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So for listeners who may be unfamiliar with your music, um, how would you describe the Sunset Kids, like music and sound? We call it a dream pop with a big influence of 80s, 80s sounds, 80s synths. Uh, a little bit of folk elements because my voice is pretty folk. folky, I would say. Dream pop, folk pop. Yeah. Was the music or is the music that you listen to kind of similar does it influence the stuff that you're making or do you kind of listen to something really different yes and no uh, i mean i i listen to such a big variety of music from pop rock uh even i don't know if you know about the band rammstein which is like a heavy metal mm -hmm. uh i like sure. some of their songs yeah uh classical music 
folk acapella choir. I mean, I, I listen to jazz, I, so, so many things. You love the cranberries I, too. Cranberries, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a huge list of such a different genres that I love. It would be very hard to say that I listen only specific sound that we produce. But of course, we do We do have uh, bands that influences us, like of Monsters and Men, and uh, Midnight, uh, which is going to be playing tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm going to go see oh, them. That's awesome. <laughs> this year, you released the first two singles off the upcoming album, Volcano. Mm-hmm. That's right. Could you... Tell us a little bit more about those two um, singles, Fantasy and Ocean Clear, and kind of what inspired them. Yeah, well, Fantasy was the first uh, single, and we did a video with uh, Vancouver's uh, Emma Higgins. And uh, the song uh, is a very 80s uh, kind of sound soundscape to it. Uh, lyrically, the song the song is just about really about unrequited love and just kind of putting a fantasy around a relationship uh, that you think is is able to have and you know in reality just just isn't that way and i really kind of liked the concept of you know, the virtual reality 3d imaging all the stuff the world that we're living in we're re- really retreating into our own digital fantasies a lot of times even with like you know rpgs and you know role playing games and all those things and and, uh, and so it was kind of really a dichotomy of uh, reality versus fantasy yeah, an ocean clear. Is our second single? Is the second single that yeah uh, we released. That one is a, I would almost say common situation song because when you have your best friend, uh, it happens that you tend to fall in love with, <laughs> with your best friend, and then you really don't know what to do about the situation. So it's kind of a story there, um, underlying that 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 whole lyrics. Is that what you, what you kind of try to make a choice? Uh, uh, are they going to lose your best friend, or actually it's all going to work out? And uh, there's uh, doubts in this song, fears, but still love, like I would say, kind of unconditional love. Both of the songs, like they have like very much that kind of like dreamy quality that you guys were talking about that you find in a lot of your music mm-hmm. and like both like the tones or the colors of the music like translate really beautifully into the visuals when you're making music are you often thinking about a visual element as well in the writing process or when you're recording and things like that or is that something that kind of comes for like music videos and imagery and things or is that something that comes after you guys finish a piece if that makes sense you know really depends on the song. I guess it depends on the song, but most of the time, yes, because I'd say uh, for me, sound and visuals uh, always come together, because maybe of my love to the film scores, every single time I write any like musical piece, I imagine something or a story. So, of course, when, when I would be writing a song, I would imagine some sort of uh, visuals happening, and uh, often we do... Uh, uh, participate in script writing for for our videos. It's pretty important for us to see and what kind of visuals our live are show there. Too. And live shows, yeah. Live shows, we've created our own original videos that we felt go along with the, the feeling that we uh, we had for the songs in particular. So we've edited our our live show and that video projection that's tied with our songs. So give the give the audience a kind of a multi multi. Uh, 
media intensive uh, experience. I think it helps, like when you combine audio and visuals, it just creates more immersive atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, you can really feel the song better, I would say. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, sort of in some ways, like if you go to an art installation that's not just in like a white space gallery, like if it's where like the artist got to curate their exhibit and it's kind of really like exactly right. how they wanted or like exactly how they wanted their work to be consumed. Yeah, that's kind of the same idea. Too. Mm -hmm. Do you guys as well with um the music video process and things like that, are you writing and not maybe not directing but are you like writing the storyboards and things for what you want those things to look like we've we've done some in the past um but uh we also like letting the the directors just come up with their own intuitive ideas about this in the song so emma came up with the kind of the parallel universe um kind of uh, uh elite school uh and secret society thing for fantasy and gabe Gabriel Edmund came up with the, the whole kind of concept of the, uh, the sea creature and, uh, and uh, you know. Actually, it was Jonathan's idea. Oh, that, and yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that came back, actually did come from Jonathan Simpkin. He, he kind of turned us on to a movie called what was it, The Shape. Shape of Water, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And we were just and talking about Gabriel it. just took that idea and ran with it, so yeah. No, I loved both videos. They were great. and. Yeah, I was not, oh, cool. based on the fantasy video, was not expecting the take from Ocean Clear at all and really appreciated the surprise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we like to, you know, keep people guessing and keep them entertained, right? So, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> what is your process like for, like, writing music? Do you guys co-write or kind of write independently and come together or... You know, it's kind of all over the place, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, someone can come to you at any time. That's why I always have phone near me so I can actually hum and record and, you know, and then come to the studio and then just start, start, the, start yeah. the process, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's interesting. It just comes so instantly with some songs. It just You sit down, you have this melody, you start playing, lyrics come along immediately, basically. You just start rhyming words and it's just, the song is there. Like 20 minutes, you're done. And then the whole process of production sometimes can be done within eight hours. It's just, you know, the level of your inspiration can be so high sometimes. And yeah, but some songs, uh, you know, you just get maybe a melody for chorus and then you start collaborating and then shooting some ideas and then, then the production process comes in and then you just write half of the song and then maybe you finish later. Just, you know, it's, it depends. Um, Aliyah, I have a question for you that I'm kind of interested about. Okay, go ahead. How, having worked now both in the Canadian and Russian like music industries, how are they kind of like the same and different? Like, do you find that they are really different or? You know, I find them different. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I can say that I was, you know, really in the industry back at home because I was, you know, 15, 16. I had like teenager band we were performing and a little bit of touring but uh, it wasn't that big we were independent band we were not signed so i can't say that i really tasted uh uh the, the russian showbiz so that, that would be hard for me to to say but i mean from something that i know i would say they are different and uh i really like the the work ethics in canada 
and I uh, really appreciate. Uh, I mean, maybe it's with our label particularly, but I'm very thankful to Viva Six Hundred Four and particularly Johnson Simkin, uh, because I like the way we communicate and for me it's the key and it's important uh, everything is honest straightforward and uh and it's it's almost a blessing i would say do you find having worked as i'm sure both of you like having worked as like an independent artist and being with a label like do you find that to be like very very polarizing mm, what do you mean by polarizing I guess in the sense that I've talked to a lot of um, artists now that have like recently like dropped their labels and kind of in what ways like has being with a label like helped you guys, I guess, in your career, kind of what role has the label played in that? Well, really the labels are the key to so many connections, you know, they, they are absolutely amazing with uh, bringing a network of the industry together and talking to each other. So um, yeah, there are, there are some, some artists that are able to navigate the waters without, uh, without a label, um, and all power to them. It takes a extremely good business mind, very keen, very networking kind of person. Yeah. But I will, I mean, there are, there are different labels. There's so many labels I won't take for like about every single one of them. Maybe some of them worse to draw, but I mean, our label is. Very supportive, it's like a family. Yeah, it is a family. And uh, we even have a you know a Christmas party yeah, every year. Awesome. I know. Yeah, we, you know, the six and four Christmas party is pretty legendary, and we all play music, and and our others come out and hang out, and and um, in our case, it's support. I would say for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're very grateful for it. It sounded like that as well. Like that was like a real ethos that Jonathan and Chad were like they wanted to do when they started having. Yeah like worked in the industry for so long and then being aware of so many of like the way the industry was going as well. That was something that we had talked about. Cause I think, yeah, definitely in recent years, like with streaming and stuff like that and like this, the 360 deals labels have gotten such a bad rap mm-hmm. almost that. Yeah. It was really cool to talk to him and kind of learn that like there are members of the industry that are working really hard to like make sure that that doesn't happen and that it should like business should be done the way it should be done. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, for yeah. sure. And it's fair. Mm-hmm. For the artists who are, you know, doing the music part. <laughs> um, so what are some of the, so we know you have the upcoming album eventually. I'll let you speak about that. But what are some of the other projects and maybe shows that you guys have coming up for, you know, this year and next? Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, works up for a show coming up. We're, we're part of the Westward Music Festival here in Vancouver. And uh, we're playing with a wonderful band, Yukon uh, Blonde at the Imperial. Uh, opening for them uh, September 12th. So if you live in Vancouver area, come on down. Don't miss it. It's going to be great. The single for the actual single of the album is entitled by Volcano. Uh, we're doing a video for that uh, this month in September, and that's going to come out uh, in the fall here uh, to push up, push the album. And uh, the album is going to come out in 2020. That's awesome. Um, and then lastly, where can people find you guys and your music? Well, if you're an Instagram junkie like myself, we are on Instagram, Sunset Kids Music. Uh, also, the same thing for Facebook. And uh, our YouTube is the Sunset Kids Music as well, right? Yeah, it's the Sunset Kids Music. Yeah, I think Twitter and Instagram, 
Facebook, they all link to the same thing. Absolutely. You can also Google us and everything will pop up. So you can go to any social media you want to, of your yeah. choice. Main website, uh, thesunsetkidsmusic.com as well. Yeah, you can easily approach us, shoot us a text, say what you think about the song or the video, and we're probably mm. going to respond. <laughs> we are friendly. <laughs> Um, that's awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for coming onto the podcast. Oh, thank, thank you. you it was actually us. a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And thanks again, Josh and Aliyah, for coming onto the podcast. I've also linked to the show notes in the description, so make sure you check those out for photos, links, and other media on the topics that we discussed during our conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really do help. And if you have any topics that you'd like Talia to touch on during season three, please shoot us an email at offkey at membran.net. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membran Entertainment Canada, aka Membran Labs, a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We're also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membrane Labs, you can find out more information on our website, www.membranelabs.com. And that's it from me. Thanks again for listening to Offkey. I really appreciate your time and support. It really does mean the world. And if you'd like to stay in touch, you can follow me on Instagram at Linsa Arnold or find me outside of a Forever 21 near you wearing a tinfoil hat talking about fast fashion's role in the world's demise. In the episode's intro and throughout the outro, you've been hearing the Sunset Kids song Fantasy, and I'll play you out now with the title track off their upcoming album, Volcano. Thanks again. Mm-hmm.